Hello and welcome to episode 255 of the Veg Grower Podcast. My name's Richard and I love to grow food in my allotment and garden. Now coming up today, I shall be taking you through my seed sowing setup and explain my entire process for sowing seeds. But firstly, the diary where I share what I've been up to over the last week. Well, today is Saturday, the 25th of January, 2020, and I've had an interesting day at home in the garden. Now, weather-wise, it's been a bit overcast, but it's been dry. It's just been a little on the chilly side, so we've had to wrap up warm. Not a huge problem, and in fact, that's joys of gardening at this time of year. Now, I did say we in that little bit because my wife has been helping me a lot in the garden. In fact, she has been pruning back the ivy that we have down one side and she has pruned a huge amount of it back. In fact, it's opened up the ivy around the chicken run and we've managed to remove a couple of fences that were on their way out, shall we say, from that area, which it's lost a bit of a screen in that way, but it's opened it up and let in more light. It also means I can now pull the chicken run a bit further back in order to give them, well, a bit more different soil to dig over and have a look around, as well as give them all a bit more space. Now, my wife has obviously cut back all this ivy and it's given me a huge amount of compost material, which I have naturally run over with the lawnmower in order to get it all shredded and into the compost bin. That will rot down over this next few months, providing me with plenty of compost that I'll use on my beds. Now, while my wife was also hacking back the ivy, I removed the wire fence that I had around the vegetable patch. Now, this wire fence was hot there as a way to keep the chickens in the vegetable patch. Originally, I didn't want the chickens roaming the garden. I wanted them in the vegetable patch in order that they could keep removing weeds and and do their job in there. However, over the winter, we've given them free reign of the garden. And we've realised that they seem very very happy having free reign of garden of course so really we've decided well we might as well just let them have free reign of a garden another thing that stopped us giving the chickens free reign of garden was the fact that we would get cats in our garden from time to time which would chase after the chickens well we haven't had the cats for the while or if we have done the chickens don't seem to be as scared of them perhaps because they're in quite a a few numbers with three of them now either way we're not too worried about giving them free reign of the entire garden when we're at home. So that's what we're going to do from moving forward. As I've said many, many times, this garden at home is going through some big redesigns throughout this year. That we have started, I'm pleased to say. Now after that, I did check on the plants that I have got growing in the beds. Now I planted out some Swede plants rather late last year and they were kind of, I throw them in and see what happens. Well, The Swedes themselves are still a very, very small, too small to be of any use, but the plants are still growing in this to reclaim the bed. And in fact, that has taken up the middle bed. In the bottom bed, I have got a charred plant, which again, it's very slow growing, but it's still there. And I'm expecting that to actually start producing enough for us to eat in about April, May time, just when we kind of really need something. Then in the top bed, you may remember back in December, I sowed some peas as an experiment to see if they will actually survive being sown outside. 
I can't remember if I've mentioned in the past that they have actually germinated, but they have germinated. They're still very, very small, barely growing at the moment. But they are germinating, they are alive, they seem to be working. What will happen as we continue on throughout the year is what we want to see anyway, so keeping a close eye on that. After that, I then went to my wooden truck that I have on my patio. Now my tr- wooden truck my dad built many years ago. We've had it in fact in our old house and we moved it with us when we moved. It's done us well over the years but I have noticed the bottom was rotting away and I had planned to remove the legs and use this as a wicking bed in, in, in the future. Well unfortunately the bottom has completely rotted out over this last week and all the compost has fallen out ripping away at the pond liner so the pond liner is not going to hold any of the water like I'd planned it would. This means instead I'm going to have to rethink the plans but what I didn't want to do was waste this compost. So with my shovel I was sort of scooping up the compost that was all over the patio and potting that onto beds as a bit of a mulch. It's probably not going to do a huge amount in terms of nutrients but it'll just act as a bit of a, a mulch, a soil cover. Nonetheless it's not being wasted then the wooden truck itself I'm going to remove the legs take it down the allotment and then fill it up with some more compost and use it to grow carrots in like I have been doing throughout 2019. But my plan here is actually that I can attach a hinged lid to the top of this truck of which I can fix on some EnviroMesh in order to keep carrot fly off the carrots. That's what I'm thinking of doing anyway and I'm hoping that that'll work out throughout the next few weeks. So keep listening to future podcasts for that. Now the wicking bed plan is not going to go to the bin. I'm still going to be doing that in the future. But I'm going to have to come up with a different redesign. But keep listening in future podcasts to see what I come out with for that. Well that's it for today. Busy day at home. Getting plenty done. And tomorrow I plan to go down the allotment. Well, it is Sunday the 26th of January 2020 today. I'm in Grandad's Greenhouse down on the allotment today. And, uh, well, it's just started to rain, which is a little annoying because I would have liked to have got a bit more work done today. But the rain has stopped me from doing any more. That being said, I have managed to do what I set out to do today. Now my main task today was to move this apple tree that I've spoken of quite a bit lately. Last week I had prepared the ground that the apple tree was to go to and that was by removing some weeds and uh, covering it over with some manure. Well I went to the apple tree in question. Now this apple tree was planted about four years ago now and last year it produced a phenomenal amount of apples. However it was meant to be a Bramley apple tree I brought it from Tesco's in one of these deals that they do where you can buy a tree for £6, a bare-rooted tree. They tend to do around this time every year. However, the fruit produced over the last couple of years have not been Bramley apples. They've been apples, but they're not Bramley by far, which was a little annoying, but can't be helped. And I think that really hit home for me that when buying fruit trees, it's not worth buying these bargains from Tesco's or Wilkinson's or wherever. It's worth going to a reputable supplier and buying what you know you're going to get. So yes, it was time to move this tree. Now, I started firstly by pruning the tree, removing any dead, diseased or damaged branches. And I spoke of this last week. A lot of this tree actually had crossing branches, so they had to be trimmed back. And it was a snapped branch, which I had to cut away, which I then covered over the wound with prune seal. After that, 
it was time to remove a stake which actually came out the ground quite easily and then it was time to dig the tree out. Now I thought this was going to be quite a quick job. I was wrong. The roots were quite thick underneath and so stuck into the ground that I had to saw quite a few of the roots away just to get this tree moving. It took a while but we got there in the end and then I'd taken this tree up to the area that was prepared last week, dug a little hole, dropped the roots of a tree into this hole, backfilled it with the soil that I've just moved out and trod this soil into place to secure it. And then I've taken the stake that I just removed and I've hammered that at a 45 degree angle into the soil up against the tree trunk just to support this tree, which has been tied into place with some tree ties. Now the 45 degree angle is something I've never done before but I see it's meant to be the correct way to support fruit trees so I thought I'll give it a try this year and see how much difference it makes. Now that's got that into place and I was hoping as I said to do a little bit more but this rain has started to come in so I'm going to head on home and call it a day for today. It would have been good to um, have actually done a bit more weeding or something but th it can't be helped and this weather it's this time of year it's kind of what we expect. This week's tip of the week from the Little Book of Allotment Tips reads Find an allotment as near to your home as possible. The shorter the journey, the better. Especially important if you have to tend plants daily. You enjoy your gardening all the more if getting there is not too bothersome. Well this tip I can actually speak from experience as my first allotment was an hour's journey each way. This meant I couldn't just pop over to do a little bit of work every now and then like I do now. It also meant that when we needed some veg, such as carrots for dinner, it just wasn't worth making that journey. And therefore we ended up popping to the local shop to buy our veg instead. Now that being said, the reason that I had that allotment is because I was offered the opportunity to co-work with a friend. Before that, I didn't think that I had the time for an allotment. And if it wasn't for me taking that opportunity, I probably wouldn't have taken on an allotment, preferring to grow in my own garden. And that's funny how things work out because now I would not be without my allotment. So I've had a few questions asking me about seed sowing. And many of these questions are asking what can be sown now? But they're also asking me about my setup with grow lights, which is something I mention every now and then. Now there's several elements that I have for my seed sowing process but I should say that my system is what works for me and my circumstances. Now I'll start right at the beginning and pretty much all my seeds get sown in the same way. There are exceptions being carrot seeds, parsnip seeds and leek seeds but I'll come to those later on. But all my other seeds get sown in the same way. Now I sow my seeds in little seed trays filled with seed sowing compost and perlite. Now I add perlite because I found that my germination rate improved hell of a lot. Now the seed trays that I use are these long thin rectangular green plastic measuring about 10 centimeters long, two and a half centimeters wide, two and a half centimeters deep. And I use these because they fit in my heated propagators or garden trays really, really well. So what I usually do is I fill up the seed trays with the compost the day before I plan to sow seeds. I tamp the soil down gently, just leaving a little bit of room above the compost. 
I then give the compost a good watering and wait until all the water has soaked right through the compost. Then I'll pop these seed trays into my heated propagators to sort of start to warm the compost up. That way when the seed is sown it isn't shocked by the cold compost. The next day when I go to sow my seed first thing I always do is write out a label of what the seed is and a date it's sown and push that label into the compost. This is one tip that I implore everyone to do. Write a label before sowing a seed. The reason I say that is that it is impossible to remember what you have sown where. Trust me, I have tried so many times and it never works. Anyway, after the label is in place, I will then scatter seed over the top of the compost and then sieve over some more of the seed sowing compost. Just a, a quite a fine scattering, just to cover the seed. Most seeds don't really need to be covered by a huge amount of compost, but I do find the smaller the seed is, the less compost is needed. And to be honest, some seeds don't actually need any covering at all. Now, if you aren't sure on this, it's worth checking the seed packet because the seed packet has all the information that you need on it. With the seeds sown, I then place the trays into heated propagator number one. Now, heated propagator number one is always placed on the lower shelf. It doesn't get much light there because at this stage, it doesn't need much light. I will try and keep the compost moist and if I need to water I would just pour a small amount of water into the actual propagator base not onto the compost because I find that if the compost gets a sudden rush of water the seed in there can get washed out and if it's just starting to grow a root it can disturb the root it's, it's not very good for that seedling so I just find by letting the water wick up through the compost from underneath stops that from happening propagator number one currently sits behind me in this podding shed on my shelf as i said on the lower shelf where it gets no light now when i have my propagators out in the potting shed propagator one was still on the lower shelf where it did not get a huge amount of light i also have the vents closed on propagator number one these are the vents in the lid just to retain some of that moisture at this stage we're just trying to get that seed to germinate and as soon as I can see that seed germinate and start to pot on its leaves it gets moved into seed propagator number two. Now seed propagator number two has the vents open and above the propagator is also some grow lights. Now the vents are there just to let some of the moisture escape and that just kind of stops any of the seeds getting too damp and damping off is a, a fungal disease that they can get. But the grow lights are also there to mimic sunlight. Now at this time of year, we don't get a huge amount of sun, even where I am, in order to get seeds to grow well. So I find that by supplementing sunlight with my grow lights, they produce a bushier, a better growth in these seedlings, which is what we really want. Now I get my grow lights from Ikea and I've recently moved on to the LED strips but before that I had LED bulbs. They're fairly cheap these days and being LED they don't give off any heat and they don't use a huge amount of electricity. So they're pretty reliable and worth having in my opinion. 
After about a week in propagator number two, it'll be time to move into propagator number three. And propagator number three is just a base, a heated base. No lid on it at all. Again, this is to aid ventilation. There's still the grow lights above this propagator, so they're still getting extra light. But this is, again, just trying to promote that bushy growth at this stage. Now at this stage is when I usually expect to see the true leaves starting to show on the seedling. And once these true leaves have emerged, it's time for me to start pricking out my seedlings and potting them on. Now I like to plant almost every single seedling individually into my root trainers. And these root trainers are made by a company called Hacknix. They're not the cheapest thing on the market if I'm honest. And I brought them a few years ago and I have found them to be really useful. Now I'll use a very small dibber uh, to break apart the compost and separate the roots and I will only hold the seedlings leaf. I will not touch the stem at all. Reason being if a leaf snaps off it can regrow but if a stem snaps that's it for the seedling. Now I'll try and separate each seedling individually and then plant them into their own station in these root trainers. The root trainers are actually filled with multi-purpose compost at this stage. I might add some perlite or vermiculite depending on how I feel at the time. Now once again, once all these are pricked out, I'll then place the root trainers on the top shelf, still under grow lights and in garden trays, just keeping that soil moist. Once a week, I will give them a, a spray with a seaweed feed and that will just give the seedlings a bit of a boost and get them really, really growing. And I'll continue this until I feel the plants are strong enough to cope in the greenhouse. This is very weather dependent, usually for me around March, but that's does depend on the weather of course it's very difficult to judge or give exact dates because in March we could suddenly have a very cold snap in which case it's not worth the risk for the purpose of this podcast this is where I am going to end how I deal with my seedlings what happens after that I will go through in a, another podcast nearer that time of year but that is my entire process of seed sowing Throughout that process, you would have heard me talk about lots of equipment. Not everybody has grow lights or greenhouses, and it's not really necessary. I just find it helps, and the reason I, that I've set myself up in this way is so I can get an early start. And that just helps me get ahead so that when the real busy garden time comes, I haven't found myself in this position where I've got to get loads and loads of seeds sown as well as do hundreds and hundreds of other jobs. I've got them sown, they're growing, they're ready to go. That's it really. Also, just to add to this, chilies, aubergines and sweet peppers, they, they tend to benefit from a really long growing season. And that's why I've sown those in January. However, it's still cold outside. The sun is not up for long enough in the day for these plants, which is why I use heated propagators and grow lights to really help them out and get them growing strong. My grow lights tend to stay on for about 12 hours a day, and I've got them on a timer to come on at 8 o'clock in the morning and then off at 8 o'clock in the evening. I believe professional growers will have their lights on for longer periods, something like 16 hours a day. But for me, I found that 12 hours is enough and I like to treat them like they're just supplementing the sun or extending the daylight hours. Now, as for the heat, 
that, which is why I use heated propagators. It's certainly possible to start seeds off inside a house on a bright, warm windowsill. The trouble that I have with this is that because my wife and I are both out at work during a week, we don't tend to have our heating on very much at all, which can mean our house can get pretty cold at times. Our windows are also facing east and west which means they also don't get a huge amount of sunlight and in fact it can be quite dark in our house if we're here at the wrong time of day. Now just to prove this point a few weeks ago I sowed some basil seeds and I kept them indoors they germinated but they started to lean towards the light right up until I put them underneath some grow lights and as soon as I put them under grow lights the basil then started to grow upwards towards the light and it is really noticeable the difference it is made. Now with these points in mind I thought I, tonight I will start an experiment and in front of me I have got four seed trays and into each of these seed trays I am going to sow some lemon drop chilli seeds. One of these seed trays are going to go through my normal process that I've just listed above. Another will go on my windowsill in my house. Another will go in the greenhouse and another will just sit outside. And I will monitor these four seed trays and uh, report back how each is performing and the difference that I can tell throughout these tests. It's just something I thought I'd try and see if there is much difference. Now right at the beginning of this section I said that there were some seeds I sowed differently. Carrot and parsnips are the only seeds that I sow directly where they are to grow and all I'll do is scatter those into the containers that are now used for these vegetables. Nothing complicated about that at all. Leeks I actually sow into polystyrene boxes full of multi-purpose compost. On top of multi-purpose compost I might add an inch of seed compost and then I'll just scatter the leek seeds onto the surface probably around February time depending on the weather again and then over the top of the box I will place a piece of clear perspex and then I'll place this box in my greenhouse and after a while these seeds should germinate and start to produce leeks which will eventually get planted outside in the ground. Well that is my seed sowing setup but if you do anything differently then please let me know. You can email me richard at thevegrowerpodcast.co.uk or you can leave a comment at thevegrowerpodcast.co.uk or alternatively through any social media just search for The Veg Grower Podcast. Thank you for joining me again this week. Now please take care and I'll speak to you again next time. <laughs> <laughs>